Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth. Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. Today is 1 December. It's the 1st of December, Sunday, time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And let's see here, um, I got a bandana on that came just a day after Veterans Day, so I couldn't wear it for Veterans Day, but it's from the Marcus family. And uh, I just want to thank them, but especially their son, Eugene, who always signs the letters that uh, come from the family. And so uh, thank you for the bandana. And our first category, as always, is Israel. And from Haaretz, Israeli officer indicted for shooting at a Palestinian for the fun of it. Now, this sounds like a bad thing, but you'll get through the article and you'll see it's not quite uh, the way you would think of it. But the reason why I included this very short article is because if it was the Palestinian shooting at the Israelis, they'd be getting a stipend if they got killed for it or if they were in prison for it. Okay, the opposite happens here. A border police officer was indicted for shooting a Palestinian man in the back with a sponge-tipped bullet. Yes, according to the charge sheet filed by the Justice Ministry's Police Misconduct Unit, the victim, who was stopped at a West Bank checkpoint, was walking away from the suspect when he was shot. So he shot him with a sponge-tipped bullet, probably, you know, gave him a little bruise or something. But uh, he was wrong. He shouldn't have done it. He should probably be... Uh, fired from his job, but I cannot see indicting somebody for that. You know, he's out there doing his thing, but they have, and it shows the morality of the Israel society as opposed to the people that would do just the opposite. They come up behind Jews and they stab them in the back and they get money for the rest of their lives for doing so. From the Times of Israel, Jewish Democratic Council ad calls Trump the biggest threat to Jews. All right, I've been seeing a lot of this type of stuff lately where uh, Trump in particular is being blamed for every Jewish problem in the world. Every and problem, period. Every problem, period. But it's just rather insane. The Jewish Democratic Council of America has launched a 2020 campaign ad that says the biggest threat to American Jews today is the president. The one-minute ad begins with clips of white supremacists chanting, Jews will not replace us, which has nothing to do with our president, during a 2017 rally in Charlottesville, Virginia and moves to a clip of President Trump saying of the event that there were very fine people on both sides. He didn't say the people that said those things were fine. He just said there were fine people on both sides. So they're doing that typical thing that liberals do. The ad then moves to footage from reporting on the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting and then to Trump's August statement. If you vote for a Democrat, you're being disloyal to Jewish people and you're being very disloyal to Israel, which I would agree with completely. Because it's the Democrats who are coming against Israel right now. We're going to see that more and more in the weeks ahead. The video concludes, the biggest threat to the security of American Jews today is incredibly the president of the United States. So utter silliness going on. The left is just, yeah, they're imploding. From the Times of Israel, 100 Democrat House members decry White House's softened stance on settlement. So here we have the president doing something for Israel and for the Jewish people. And who is it that's decrying it? It's the left. The move, legislators wrote in a letter to Pompeo, made the possibility of an Israel-Palestinian peace agreement more difficult and hurt America's interests in the Middle East. They said this about moving the embassy to Jerusalem. They said it about uh, recognizing the Golan Heights. They're doing this. 
They've got nothing to stand on. The announcement is discredited. The United States is an honest broker between Israel and the Palestinian Authority. Severely damaged prospects for peace and endangered the security of America, Israel, and the Palestinian people, the letter says, without justifying or substantiating any of that at all. Orchestrated by Michigan Representative Andy Levine, a freshman Democrat, the missive was signed by several other prominent members of Congress, including Minnesota Representative Ilan Omar, real friend of Israel there, Rhode Island Representative David Sicilian, I guess, and Maryland Representative Jamie Raskin, Michigan Representative Rashida Tlaib, once again a real fan of Israel, and others. The lawmakers warned that the Trump admin's decision blatantly disregards Article 49 of the Fourth Geneva Convention regarding the rules governing the actions of an occupying power. In ignoring international law, which we talked about last week and which it does not, the letter says this admin has undermined America's moral standing and sent a dangerous message to those who do not share our values, human rights, and international law, which have governed the international order and protected U.S. troops and civilians since 1949. No longer apply. The liberal Mideast advocacy group J Street supported the letter. Of course they do. They're as far left as they can be. From the Jerusalem Post, four major municipalities to defy state law operate buses on the Shabbat, or the Sabbath, we would say here in the U.S. After years of fighting, public buses will be available to transport of the residents of Tel Aviv, Ramat Hasharon, Giva Taim and Kiryat Ono as part of a project dubbed Pleasant on the Weekend. The buses will operate on Friday from 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. and on Saturday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Kind of tickles me reading this. Most buses will leave every half hour. The Tel Aviv Municipal Council cast the decisive vote in favor of the fledgling service, approving the initiative by 19 to 6. Several dozen religious and Missouri protesters demonstrated against the decision, which will cost an estimated 12.5 million shekels, 9 million of which is paid by Tel Aviv, which probably makes them more crazy. But just so people, you know, this is a constant thing with these Hebrew Roots Movement people is how we're supposed to be observing the law of Moses as Christians, etc. And, you know, I saw a post on that today. Somebody posted, well, if you believe that Christ is the fulfillment of the law, then why are you observing the Sabbath, you Hebrew roots Christians? And you can't really call them Christians because they're not in the sense of following Christ. But the answer is Hebrews 4, 3. Now we who believe have entered that rest. He'd just been talking about the Sabbath rest for the past umpteenth verses, and he says that we have entered that rest. Paul in Romans 14 says, why do you hold one day above another or some hold, you know, one day, all days the same, et cetera, et cetera. And he says, you know, what? let every man do as he pleases. But the law is no longer applicable to Christians. So I get a kick out of these things because, now obviously these are non-observant Jews that want to, you know, not be pressed into being forced into something by the observant Jews, but it just still tickles me because it shows the folly of these type of things. Christ is the end of the law for those who believe. If you're a Jew in Israel and you believe in Jesus Christ, you ought to be able to get on a bus anytime you want and do whatever you want, not be forced by people that disagree with you. Anyway, from MEM, after 10 years of voting for Israel, Canada supports pro-Palestinian UN resolution. Canada, once again, going down the tubes quicker and quicker. Canada is committed to the goal of a comprehensive, just and lasting peace in the Middle East, including the creation of a Palestinian state living side by side in peace and security with Israel. Read your Bible. It's never going to happen. You will get a state, but you're not going to get the peace. So there you go with that. And uh, 
you know, for the Christians in Canada, why don't you all just move down here and come and live with us in Florida, okay? You'll vote Republican, you'll vote properly, and then uh, you can get away from that. And plus, you get some coconuts and nice weather. And, you know, I just, I feel so bad for people that are living in a country that is run by people like that. We look at so many... Uh Ontario license, Ontario license plates just fill, but you know, most of them oh, yeah. are probably liberal. So uh, anyway, uh, from Christian News Today, before I go on, I have not felt well all week long and I didn't know what it was. I thought it was just uh, allergies or something and I'd just been struggling and I went to visit a friend for Thanksgiving just to say hi for an hour or two. And while I was there, the mother said that her ears had been feeling like they were exploding and come to find out she had a sinus infection. And I thought, that's exactly what I have. And who would think my nose is fine, everything's clear. And I go home and I tell my wife here, oh, I just think like my ears are exploding. And she says, oh, you'll have sinus infection. So, I, you know, and so she said, you must go to doctor. So I went to the doctor yesterday and yes, she, I'll tell you something. I, tell me if this has ever happened to any of you and no offense to the doctor here, but have you ever gone into the doctor's walked in, been processed, been weighed, been, uh, you know, what do you call it, blood pressured and temperature and all that, have the doctor see you and have you out within less than five minutes? No. That happened to me yesterday, less than five minutes. She looked at my ear and said, yep, you've got a sinus infection. You need amoxicillin. So, and then by the time I got to Publix, less than three blocks down the road, they got my prescription ready. I mean, it was unbelievable. But there you go. These things do happen. There are miracles in the world. The doctor himself shook his head and said, no. He's, you know why they call it a waiting room? It's because you're going to be sitting there waiting. That's right. Okay, Christian news. I'm sorry if I don't have my spunk that I normally do, but I would like to make a quick announcement before I get into the first article. Uh, every year, I try to highlight her as Charlie Missy. She's the girl that gives the gray shirts. We've all got gray shirts here, and uh, uh, she also sells other things. And it's time for Christmas, and if you want to get something that is really going to bless somebody in your family, she's got a, a website, gratefulsaints.com. It's G-R-A-T-E-F-U-L-S-A-I-N-T-S.com. If you can't remember that, listen again, or just send me an email, and I'll send you the link. Okay, she's got beautiful silver pendants of the across which it spells out the word grace she's got shirts she's got rapture uh what do you call it uh clocks you know it says the, the lord's coming is near or something like it's just great stuff so please she you know she lives here that's all she has to live on is uh, what she sells through that site and being christmas it would be nice to do something nice for her and you also get something back so please check it out and uh that's my plug for charlie missy who we all here love very much um from the christian times Church of England calls Christians to repentance over role in anti-Semitism. The Church of England has released a teaching document in which it acknowledges the role of Christians in centuries of anti-Semitism, as well as its resurgence in modern times. The document, and I will admit before I go on, many in the church are anti-Semites. I mean, it's filled with those, okay? But I think that doing things like this is the same thing as uh, nations... Uh, apologizing for dropping their nuclear bomb. And it's history. You can't go back and undo history. We can't go back and reparations for slavery is going to solve nothing. Okay. What we need to do is not be anti-Semitic, not apologize for the past. But anyway, we'll go on. The document called God's Unfailing Word is the first authoritative statement on the subject from the COE and outlines historic failings towards Jews. 
These include the role of Christian theology in the negative stereotyping and persecution of Jewish people, both of which have contributed to grave suffering and injustice. And ultimately, the Holocaust. Now, in the Holocaust, and this is something that you probably know, but maybe you don't, is that a lot of Jews were killed in the Holocaust, and millions of non-Jews were killed as well. Uh, gypsies were killed. Christians that wouldn't submit to the Third Reich were killed. I mean, it, the list goes on and on of like 20 million people were killed in the Holocaust, specifically in this manner. A lot of mentally disabled people were taken out, but the Jews were 6 million of them. So uh, I, I wanted to make sure that you understand that as well, both of which have contributed to grave suffering and injustice and the Holocaust. Such attitudes, the document states, have provided a fertile seedbed for murderous anti-Semitism. The document quotes comments by the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, in a 2016 report in which he said that the theological teachings of the church had compounded the spread of the virus of anti-Semitism instead of offering an antidote. The document reflects on this further stating, well, when you say that the church has replaced Israel, that's a real problem. And when they still believe that, that's a problem, okay? So it, it, they're, they may not be anti-Semites, but people say, well, the Jews are out. And, you know, you see what I'm saying? They've got all kinds of theological problems, which lead to these other problems, which they will not solve. Anyway, uh, the document reflects on this further stating the attribution of collective guilt to the Jewish people for the death of Christ and the consequent interpretation of their suffering as collective punishment sent by God is one very clear example of that. Now, I have to tell you something. That's what the Bible teaches. Israel is a collective whole. That is taught explicitly in Scripture. They are Israel. And when they rejected Jesus Christ, when he came, the curses came upon them. That is explicit from Leviticus 23 in the first person, I will do these things and everything that the Lord said he would do, he did. And then it's explicit in Deuteronomy 28 coming up in a book of the Bible will be in very soon. And in Deuteronomy 28, it's in the second person, the Lord will do these things. Israel is a collective whole. When they rejected Christ, they collectively were punished. All they needed to do to not be punished was to step outside of the camp, as it says in the book of Hebrews, and come to Christ and they would become completed Jews, and they would no longer be under this curse, okay? But Israel, if they think that what has happened in the past to the Jews is bad, what they need to do is tell them to come to Christ, because what is coming to Israel in the future, after the rapture of the church, is going to be a geometric scale worse than what happened in the Holocaust, because they still have not called on Christ. It is our job as Christians to pray for Israel, to support Israel, and to evangelize Israel. Uh, if you're not doing those things, you are not being obedient to the Word of God, because I know you evangelize. You send people over to Papua New Guinea. You support them. I know you support people that are in Uganda and places around the world, and you're going to exclude the Jews. Well, that's where the gospel's going back to right now is to Israel because they are being told the times are coming. The times are coming when the church is going to be gone and you are going to suffer. Two-thirds of Israel is going to die. Two-thirds of Israel because of their rejection of Christ. So I don't mean to belabor this, but this is something that we have to have on our hearts and on our prayers every single night. So there is collective punishment, which is stated explicitly in Scripture. Okay, By them saying these things, all they're doing is they're saying to the Jews, we don't believe that, when it's what the Bible teaches, and they're causing more trouble for the Jews, not less. Okay, 
That's why I'm upset about this particular article is because the Jewish people need to know their Messiah. We'll go on. Within living memory, such ideas contributed to fostering the passive acquiescence, if not positive support, of many Christians and actions that led to the Holocaust, which is what they're doing towards Israel by not telling them you need Jesus collectively as a nation. Recognition on the part of the church that it bears a considerable measure of responsibility for the spread of anti-Semitism demands a response from the church. I will agree with that 100%, but they need to have their theology straight that Israel is Israel, that Jesus is returning to Israel, and it is not going to happen until they say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus himself said it. He is not coming back to this earth, to this planet, until Israel calls out to them. He will come back a Jew, and he will live among the Jewish people, and he is a Jew now, and he will always be a Jew. Nothing will ever change in that. From Jihad Watch, Pope cites French epic poem to prove that Christianity is as violent as Islam. Yes, the, the, this guy is really causing trouble here. Pope Francis trotted out a scene from the 11th century French epic poem, La Chanson, I guess, de Roland, to prove Christians have tried to convert Muslims by the sword, just as Muslims have done to Christians. The Pope's moral equivalence is obscene at best. He has also stated, beware of the fundamentalist groups. Everyone has its own. True, but no religion but Islam has a history of aggression and an imperative supported by its religious texts to conquer the world and subjugate unbelievers as inferiors while murdering those who leave the faith. The Pope has been a powerful promoter of Islam, going so far as advanced theological reforms in Catholic schools to promote a common mission of peace with Islam. He largely ignores the gross human rights violations against Christians, women, minorities, and apostates that are justified by normative Islam. He has not called on the leaders of Islamic states and mainstream Islamic leaders to condemn the Islamic texts that sanction such abuses. Instead, he has stated that Christianity and Islam have more in common than people think, and the two religions defend common values that are necessary for the future of civilization. This man cannot be a Christian. He so cannot he, be if he's saying he these things. He doesn't even bring up the past of the Catholic Church. He no, he doesn't bring up the past of the Catholic Church at all. That's mm -hmm. right. They are the ones that are responsible for most of the bad things that have happened towards true believing Christians, biblically based Christians, and persecution of Jews, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway. The what? And Muslims, that's right. Hours before Pope Francis called for the abolition of capital punishment last Friday. You wait until we get to the sermon coming up here in a few weeks on that particular issue. We're going to be doing that. And you're going to find out how wrong that is. It's the uh, one of the uh, cities of refuge. That's coming soon to a, a sermon near you. We have one, which is designating the Levitical cities. That'll be next week. And then in two weeks, we're going to do the uh, death of the high priest. That's the, entitled, the title of the sermon. And when you listen to that sermon, you're going to see Jesus all over it, but you're going to find what folly he's speaking about as far as murderers here and why that is so, okay? Calling, you know, it's the left that says we can abort, we can abort, we can abort, but don't kill the murderers, right? Well, he's got this entire ideology in his head, even if he doesn't support abortion. He supports everything else that the left supports. Anyway, um, let's see here. Last Friday, he warmly embraced the Grand Sheikh of Al-Azhar Ahmed El-Tayyib, the Reverend Islamic scholar and cleric who has endorsed jihad suicide tax against Jews and wants to converts to Christianity to be killed. 
So he's embracing this guy and saying, it's all okay, you can teach that, but it's not okay for us to be fundamental Christians, which means that we hold to the Bible, because this is the fundaments of our faith. That's what a fundamentalist means. It's a person that holds to the fundamentals of the faith. We hold to the Bible as the word of God, and it is our doctrine. It is where we get our theology from. From the Christian Post, lesbian and same-sex marriage sues Fuller Seminary over expulsion cites Title IX. This is a real problem. When you take government money, this kind of thing can happen. Joanna Maxson brought the suit against the non-denominational seminary. The lawsuit is being filed in the U.S. District Court for the Central District of California. Defendants discriminated against Mrs. Maxson based on her sexual orientation because it expelled Miss Maxson for entering into a civil same-sex marriage, reads the suit. Defendants also discriminated against Miss Maxson based on her sex and sexual orientation by subjecting her to stricter disciplinary action than Fuller would have subjected a male heterosexual student. Well, they have laws in theological seminaries that say that you can't do certain things. There are certain moral boundaries that you are not to participate in. The problem is that they have taken government money, and so now they have mixed the church and the state in an unholy way, and this can come about. From a legal perspective, an expulsion based on sexual orientation, including one that is based on homosexual conduct or a same-sex relationship, is illegal under Title IX in a place like Fuller because Fuller accepts federal funding, Southwick asserted. From a moral perspective, an expulsion, especially of someone who is a wife and mother, does not seem kind or ethical. Well, who cares about that? That has nothing to do with the issue. Christian Post reached out to Fuller for a response. A spokesperson explained that they could not offer a specific comment on anything related to one of their students. So there you go with that. Try your best to not mix these things when they shouldn't be mixed. That does not mean that we cannot vote for a president, that we cannot support political parties, etc., etc. There's a world of difference between that, exercising your rights, and taking money from the government where you lose your rights in certain circumstances, okay? Don't make the uh, category mistakes there. Before I go on, I was uh, doing a particular uh, uh, Bible commentary this morning, as I do each day, and, you know, it comes to mind time and again where people... Uh, have people, I will say this frankly, have very bad doctrine if they teach that you can lose your salvation. That's poor doctrine, okay? If you're following a teacher that teaches that, you should not be following that person. And if you're citing a particular verse on that issue and you claim that it shows that you can lose your salvation, you are taking that verse out of context. Now, just one, one example for you to consider is um, John. Okay, John speaks of overcoming six times in his first epistle. Okay, does anybody know what overcoming means to John in 1 John? Okay, it's a Christian. He explains there who overcomes, how it comes about, and what it means for the believer. I'm only going to give you two examples of the six that he gives. Here it is, 1 John 5, 4, 5. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Jesus said that you must be born again. If you call on Jesus and you're regenerating your spirit, which means that you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, you are born again. He says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And Paul speaks of faith is what saves all the way through the Bible, faith, 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 faith. Who is he who overcomes? Here it is. Who is it that overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus 
is the Son of God. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and you have accepted him by faith, you have overcome. Jesus then explains seven times in the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3, what the benefits of the one who overcomes are. One of these seven times, for example, he says this in Revelation 3, verse 5. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. If you have called on Jesus, if you believe that he is the Son of God, you have overcome, and your name will not, by Jesus' own words, be blotted out of the book of life. Salvation is eternal. And he uses the same word there, nekao, which is used by John. To overcome means that you are saved. And when you are saved, it is done. Okay? If you want to debate that with me, send your verse and I'll send you where you're wrong on it. But I just want people to understand that doctrine is actually important. Theology is hard work. It'll hurt your head, but the rewards are heavenly. So please learn your Bible and learn proper doctrine from Islam today. Hundreds of this is from Zero Hedge. Hundreds of bleed control kits issued to bars across London. 320 bleed control kits are to be given to bars in the city of London as the United Kingdom capital's knife crime epidemic continues to soar. So instead of arresting these people and keeping them in jail, as we saw this past week, that guy that went out and killed two people on, what is it, one bridge in London? Nobody read that in the article? Okay, you did. Okay, so you did read that. They let him out after seven years when he was given a 16-year sentence, and they shouldn't have let him out at all. They should have just deported him. But they are allowing these things. Instead of taking these people and doing what they should do, they give bleed control kits to the population to take care of the problem. The kits will be handed out by City of London Police, how nice, across the 1.12 square mile center of the city at a cost of 25,000 pounds. Authorities said they were proud to launch the initiative with David Laws, chief superintendent of the City of London Police, telling Sky News that the decision was a no-brainer. The kits contain tourniquets, trauma bandages, adhesive chest seals, and foil blankets, and can help treat both knife and gunshot wounds. Bar staff will be trained in their use so that victims of violent crime will not bleed out before an ambulance can reach them. Well, I'm very happy they're doing this and the lives will be saved, but this shouldn't be necessary. They've taken away their rights to defend themselves in England. Now they want to take away the knives that people can use for cutting their Thanksgiving turkey, even though they don't celebrate Thanksgiving over there, etc. And the people that have knives will be the criminals. All they're doing is de-arming a population that needs to defend itself against people that they have brought in that they should not have brought in. Anyway, uh, bar staff will be trained in their use. So the victims of violent crime will not bleed out before an ambulance can reach them. Knife crime in the city of London jumped by 43% over the last year, while in that same time period, England saw a record high of 43,000 knife crimes across the country. And they're handing out 320 bleed control kits. That's their answer to this dilemma. From Breitbart, here we go. Why do they need bleed control kits? Machete Gang Stormed Cinema. This is a week and a half ago now. In another horrifying instance of knife crime in the UK, an entertainment complex in Birmingham was evacuated after 100 people, some carrying machetes, stormed the cinema and began brawling over the release of a new gangster movie. A group of mostly youths, armed with machetes, arrived at Birmingham Cinema, breaking out into fights. 
Armed police were called to the scene of the fight, in which police officers were assaulted and several arrests were made. This is the state of England right now, folks, and this is what the left wants in this nation. We need to stand up for our rights, we need to defend our rights, and we need to make sure that we vote the right people in who will continue to follow that and support the Second Amendment of the United States of America. I've said it before, I'll say it again. The First Amendment is the most important amendment, obviously, freedom of the press, freedom of speech, and freedom of religion. Actually, I think religion is the first in that list, but anyway. However, the Second Amendment is the most important amendment in practice. If you do not have a Second Amendment, you have no First Amendment. You must have a Second Amendment to defend this nation or you will have no rights at all. Okay, from Haaretz. Netherlands cuts aid to the Palestinian Authority over terrorist salaries. Good job, Netherlands. The aid ministry announced the move during annual budget talks. In 2017, the Palestinian Authority paid about $198 million to fund for the families of terrorists killed during their attacks and about $160 million to Palestinians held in Israeli jails. The Netherlands spends several million dollars each year on aid to the Palestinian Authority and Palestinian populations elsewhere in the Middle East, but most of that money is given to agencies and non-governmental organizations. The country had given about $1.6 million directly to the PA annually to pay the salaries of Justice Ministry employees. The aid ministry said that talks with the Palestinian body did not lead to the desired outcome. In other words, we're paying you to defend your leaders, etc., with these security services. All they do is take other money and they put it into the stipend fund and they give that money to these people that are killing Jews. And they said, this doesn't work and you're not listening to us. And so they stopped giving them that money. Zero Hedge, left-wing journalist on Sweden's migrant suburbs, everyone knew it would end in disaster. This is Sweden, and they all knew it, and they did it anyway. A left-wing journalist in Sweden who vehemently supported mass immigration has changed her tune, admitting that when it came to Sweden's crime-ridden no-go areas, everyone knew it would end in disaster. Aftonbladet's Lena Melin now acknowledges that Sweden's attempt to integrate huge numbers of migrants from Africa and the Middle East has failed. All parties, with the possible exception of the left party and the Sweden Democrats, who hardly affected the reality on this point, should be ashamed. She accuses politicians of having largely neglected the development in some of our suburbs, despite the fact that everyone knew it would end in disaster. Numerous people pointed out the hypocrisy of Mellon, admitting she knew integration was failing and yet still refusing to abandon her support for mass immigration, which is exactly what the left has been doing for years in this country. Things don't work out and they just keep doing the same thing. That's right. Uh, incredible. Lena Meline, of all journalists, one of the foremost advocates for mass immigration and multiculturalism, one of the worst SD haters, claims that one has known for years that it would go south. For more than a decade, Sweden's ruling class, including political leaders and the media, has denied that there are any problems in the countries, I can't pronounce the next word, some Swedish word, caused by the mass importation of third world immigrants. Now it seems that the truth about cultural enrichment has become so blatant that it can no longer be denied. Sweden continues to experience huge problems with violent crime, shootings, explosions, and grenade attacks mostly as a result of turf war between rival migrant gangs. 
Authorities in Malmo responded by inviting local gang leaders for pizza. While the Swedish government recently announced it would commit $175,000 to funding drag queen storytime events where men dressed as women read and perform to children. That's their answer. Drag queen events and having a pizza with the gang leaders in order to stop what's going on there. People are being raped. People are being killed. They've got places that nobody can go except the terrorists that live there. And they knew it was going to happen, and it happened, and they still aren't doing anything about it. From Zero Hedge, Lebanon lost $10 billion in bank deposits since August. Bond yields soar past 100% into Venezuela territory. Lebanon is having real trouble right now. Zero Hedge, ATM spitting back bank cards in Lebanon as dollars have virtually disappeared. Though banks reopened this week in Lebanon with the country's financial institutions remaining front and center in massive anti-government protests amid accusations of corruption and wild mismanagement, withdrawal limits have now been made official by the country's bank association, previously unofficially enforced. The formal controls now include limiting withdrawals to $1,000 per week with transfers abroad only ambiguously defined necessary for urgent matters. In other words, you can't have your money. We're keeping your money. And this is what will happen anywhere in the world where there is a crisis and people start getting their money so that they don't lose it. The government steps in and says, you can't have the money that you have earned over the years. Mongolia from physics.org. Mongolia's new cleaner fuel, we talked about this before, is linked to deaths, illness. A government-issued fuel made of cooking coal from the southern Gobi region and washed coal powder it has been linked to deaths and ill health. Since uh, residents started using the briquettes in October, there have been seven other deaths, mainly children, pregnant women, and the elderly. Nearly 1,000 have been hospitalized in Ulaanbaatar's outer slum districts, prompting fears the fuel can cause carbon monoxide poisoning. The Mongolian government is trying to battle dangerous smog levels in one of the world's most polluted cities by trying to offer replacements for raw coal, which produces a dense, dangerous smoke, but it is often used by the poor to warm their homes in a place where temperatures can plummet to minus 40 degrees centigrade. Mongolian officials said the briquettes last longer and emit fewer fumes, but the fumes will kill you, so now you have a choice. Daniel 12 Technology, SciTech Daily, Hyper-realistic masks can be more believable than human faces. This is like right out of Mission Impossible. I mean, that goes back to, what is the name? Uh, Martin Landau and uh, Peter Graves. And then they had the Mission Impossible movies and they all just pull off the mask and it's not them. They've made these things. Hyper-realistic masks are made from flexible materials such as silicon and are designed to imitate real human faces down to every last freckle, wrinkle, and strand of real human hair. In a study by the universities of York and Kyoto, researchers asked participants to look at pairs of photographs and decide which showed a normal face and which showed a person wearing a mask. Surprisingly, participants made the wrong call in one in five cases. Those are pretty good masks. The 20% error rate observed in the study likely underestimates the extent to which people would struggle to tell an artificial face from the real thing outside of the lab. In other words, they're sitting there studying them real closely. Whereas if you just walk by somebody with one, you're not going to know it. The researchers collected data from participants from both the UK and Japan to establish any differences according to race. This is where it gets interesting as well. When asked to choose between photographs depicting faces of a different race, 
to the trial, participant response times were slower and selections were 5% less accurate. So if they're not of the same race, they really can't tell even more. In our study, participants had several advantages over ordinary people in everyday life. We made it clear to participants that their task was to identify the mask in each pair of images, and we showed them example masks before the test began. The real-world error rate is likely to be much higher because many people may not even be aware hyper-realistic masks exist and are unlikely to be looking out for them. Failure to detect synthetic faces may have important implications for security and crime prevention as hyper-realistic masks may allow the key characteristics of a person's appearance to be incorrectly identified. In other words, you walk up and you identify yourself as Charlie Garrett, poor you, and you get all his money, all $7.32 in the bank. Mail online, toxic fumes from car exhausts could be worth a fortune as scientists develop a new technology to convert the pollutants into a chemical used in fertilizer, rocket fuel, and nylon. That is very interesting. The system uses a metal organic framework that traps and converts fumes. It takes in nitrogen dioxide and turns it into nitric acid, which has industrial uses. Nitric acid is used by a number of industries, including fertilizer and rockets. So you can take the fumes from your car, put in this gadget and make a lot of money, I guess. I don't know, whatever, revelation plagues. From SIDRAP, Venezuela confirms the first locally transmitted yellow fever case since 2005. We'll see if this goes up. It's the first one, I'm highlighting it now to see if it increases. A 46 year old man has become the country's first case of locally transmitted yellow fever since 2005. Most of the territory of Venezuela is considered as at risk for sylvatic which means occurring in animals, yellow fever. And this case marks the first confirmed auto, I can't pronounce the word, case of yellow fever diagnosed in Venezuela since 2005. The origin of the infection of this case is likely to be sylvatic. In an area determined as at risk for yellow fever, the patient remains hospitalized with chronic renal failure and moderate anemia. Yellow fever can spread quickly among people exposed to the mosquito-borne virus and can be deadly. There is no cure for the disease, but the virus can be prevented through vaccination. A single dose of the yellow fever vaccine provides immunity for life. And I'm sure, having been in the U.S. military, that I was vaccinated, and so I'm, I'm safe. I don't know about all of you, but if you were in the military, you probably are safe from yellow fever. From Fox, insect apocalypse driven by light pollution, scientists reveal. Now, I'm reporting on this. I think it's probably a bunch of hooey. We have the uh, turtles out at Turtle Beach and Siesta Beach, and they come in every year and they lay their eggs. And you're not allowed to go near the turtle nests once those uh, eggs are put into the ground. Because if you do, you will go to jail for messing with a turtle nest. You can kill a baby in the womb, but you can't touch the turtle eggs, okay? But... They also, if you live on the beach or if you're at the public, whatever, you know, there can be no lights during turtle season because the turtles get confused and they'll walk in the wrong direction and they won't go out to the water and become big turtles, okay? And they have this all over the place. But then the worst violators are Sarasota County themselves. Why? Because they have the tennis courts right on the beach that don't have the turtle lights on them. And so it makes no sense at all. It's like a giant beacon for, come on, turtles, commit suicide over here. Anyway. I'm reporting on it anyway. We'll see where it goes. Although climate researchers have warned before about the negative effects of climate change and habitat loss, 
They are now blaming a new culprit for the worldwide decline of bugs. Light pollution. A group, yes, it's all our fault. Our lights at night are killing all the bugs. Okay, a group of entomologists reviewed about 200 studies and research papers to examine how light pollution is contributing to what's been called the insect apocalypse. Well, if you want to get rid of light pollution, then we need to kill all of the lightning bugs. They all need to be killed because they are causing light pollution. All right, Brett Seymour, a postdoctoral fellow at the Living Earth Collaborative. Oh my goodness, that sounds like a real... Anyway, at St. Louis Washington University told Gizmodo, we're saying, look, light pollution is also a huge driver, especially with nocturnal insects. Seymour said a number of different fixes could address the problem, including light timers, covers to lessen light pollution, and bulbs that don't mimic daytime light. Still, the researcher's work reportedly notes that lights can impact how bug species move, search for food, reproduce, grow and hide from predators. So now it's all our fault once again. This is another climate change coming on. It's another wealth redistribution. But I thought I'd report it just in case things develop in this area. From morality, I call this foot in the door. You get your foot in the door and the door stays open and everybody can rush in. But before I actually get there, last week I uh, said that I'm going to wait on my judgment about Chick-fil-A. There were conflicting reports at the time. Chick-fil-A uh, said, uh, you know, the reports came out that they are going to start not supporting only Christian organizations, etc. And then Franklin Graham called that guy, uh, what's his name? Uh, I can't remember his name right now, but anyway, he called him and he said, that's not true, okay? And I am not going to report on something until I know the facts, okay? Because people make up news all the time, all the time. But I did some research this week from the front page mag, Chick-fil-A put in, Obama and Hillary supporter in charge, but dumped Christians. Okay, so we know that's true. This is a friend sent me that one. And then from the Washington Post, I think the same people sent me this one as well. Chick-fil-A grilled over donation to Southern Poverty Law Center. Anybody that's going to support those Southern Poverty Law Center will never get any of my money. Not that Chick-fil-A ever got my money anyway. As I said, I'm a beef guy, but I will never, ever support Chick-fil-A again ever. And I don't think you should as well. It's Not because it's true. Yes, it is true. Uh, my slogan of the week is eat less chicken. Okay. <laughs> eat more beef or something from mail online. Yes, it is true. And they have caved to, you know, they might as well just close their doors now, as far as I'm concerned. I actually emailed them and I said, you know, we're, we're not going to pray for your organization. I'm not going to highlight them anymore the way I have in the past. And I will actively pray against them. That's yes. Uh, mail online. California hikes tax rates on legal marijuana businesses again, making them uncompetitive with illegal trading in move that has stunned and outraged cannabis industry. Now, remember when I said foot in the door, eight ounce marijuana buds are expected to cost at least $5 more in 2020. The state's excise tax brought in $317 million for fiscal year and $29 million more than projections. So they're making all this money, and so we'll just raise it some more and make some more money. Spending in California's legal cannabis market was expected to take in $7 billion by 2024. Get your foot in the door, they're going to take the money. Zero Hedge, Trudeau, open to handing out taxpayer-funded heroin to Vancouver addicts. Yes, get your foot in the door, and this is what you get. Justin Trudeau is open to the idea of having the federal government fund the supply of heroin to junkies in Vancouver. 
taking a page out of the stock market playbook where traders and bank bosses come crawling to the Fed with demands for some monetary heroin every time there is a 5% correction, Vancouver has applied for federal funding to the tune of $6 million so that they can distribute clinical-grade heroin to opium addicts. Additionally, Mayor Stewart hopes that Health Canada will exempt the municipality from federal drug laws so that they can deal with the drug legally. Trudeau said he wants to work together and open to having a conversation and then looking to us to lead with health care professionals to try and figure out the best solutions to these problems. Vancouver was the first city in Canada to open so-called safe injection sites. That was the foot in the door back in the early 2000s. So the addicts could have access to clean needles to inject their drug of choice. According to Mayor Kennedy, an average one person dies every single day in Vancouver from drug overdoses. If the government mandates free taxpayer-funded heroin, this number will only increase. Get your foot in the door, get rid of the people by giving them free heroin. From CNBC, House Committee approves landmark bill legalizing marijuana at the federal level. This is the left. The House in the United States of America wants to get their foot in the door. And then once they do, they're going to get all this money from their doped out citizens and they're going to keep raising up the prices and they're going to take the uh, people that grow their own pot and they're going to say, you can't do that anymore. It has to be government certified USDA recommended pot. And this is where the foot in the door goes with these liberals. The House Judiciary Committee approved a bill that legalizes marijuana on the federal level, removing it from Schedule One of the Controlled Substances Act. Some Republicans expressed concerns that the bill went too far and it was unlikely to be taken up in a GOP-controlled Senate. I hope so. From Koyama Press, um, there's a book out that a lot of people have emailed me about. It's very concerning. It's called A Children's Book of Demons. So, yeah, it's a coloring book, and they have little demons, and you can color in your demons if you want. I would suggest you do not buy this for your grandchildren for Christmas, okay? From our other category, Zero Hedge. British Academic Union says you can now identify as black and disabled. Yes, the universities and colleges union in Great Britain are seriously arguing that people should be able to identify as any race they want. This was coming. They nixed it here in America because once you've said that, then blacks are no longer blacks, right? And they they can't use that as a race card. But in England, they're working for this. The Union for Professors and other academics, or Asians are Asians, I should say, because I got one sitting over here. You're no longer Asian. I'm sorry, because I identify as Asian, okay? And I'm obviously more Asian than you are. I love my wife. She got today off. She's normally off only every other week, but she got today off, and so here she is, her beautiful self. I can pick on her during this article here. Anyway, um, let's see here. The Union for Professors and Other Academics put out its official stance in a recent report, which said... Our rules commit us to ending all forms of discrimination, bigotry, and stereotyping. UCU has a long history of enabling members to self-identify whether that is being black, disabled, LGBT, or women. So if you want to be disabled, you just go in and say, you know, I'm missing my right leg today and I can't run in gym class and so I, I want my A anyway or what. I don't, you know, it's just insane. Mail online. Lawsuit alleges McDonald's in Chicago puts employees at daily risk of physical attack from dangerous customers after a new store design. They are suing McDonald's because of a new store design. Here it is. Lowered the counter 
making it easier for angry people to jump over. Yes, and they're suing McDonald's because the counter's been lowered. McDonald's employees are suing the company in several of its franchises in Chicago over a store redesign that makes it easier for customers to attack staff. In 13 restaurants, this is true, the counter has been made lower that make it easier for angry patrons to jump over it and assault workers. Employees have been threatened with guns. Well, a higher counter isn't going to solve that, right? Even walls. Oh, yeah, even walls aren't going to. Beaten with a wet floor sign, had kitchen equipment thrown at them by a naked customer. Others say that they have, yes, others say they have been pepper sprayed, been flashed and propositioned, and even they've been peed on, okay? In the, yes, in the Chicago area, listen to this. In the Chicago area, there are more than 20 calls every day to emergency services from McDonald's stores. Can you imagine that? There is a problem in Chicago, and it is not lower counters. Linda's about to have a heart attack here. You're going to be next to Jay in the hospital in a few minutes. Can you? It's insane. It's just completely bizarre. Walking around naked and nobody's doing anything about that, but you can't have a lower counter. Yeah, my pulpit isn't high enough. I need to get it up here. People stop throwing tomatoes at me too. From the Daily Wire, arrest by algorithm. China uses artificial intelligence to flag entire ethnic groups of people for arrest. The International Consortium of Investigated Journalists reports that the leaked documents reveal that Chinese police are guided by a massive data collection and analysis system that uses AI to select entire categories of Xinjiang residences for detention. The manual obtained by ICIJ gives detailed instructions on everything from deciding when to let detainees use the toilet to how to keep the camp's existence totally secret. The classified intel briefings reveal the scope and ambition of the government's AI-powered policing platform, which purports to predict crimes based on these computer-generated findings alone. I, this is minority report. That's what this is. ICIJ reported. The China cables reveal how the system is able to amass vast amounts of intimate personal data through warrantless manual searches, facial recognition cameras, and other means to identify candidates for detention flagging for investigation hundreds of thousands merely for using certain popular mobile phone apps. You got your Bible app, you're going to get arrested. You know, you can see where this is going. Okay. The documents detail explicit directives to arrest Uyghurs, which are the Muslims over there, with foreign citizenships and to track Xinjiang Uyghurs living abroad, some of whom have been deported back to China by authoritarian governments. Among those implicated as taking part in the global dragnet, China's embassies and consulates. So you can see where that's going. They're doing the Muslims now, but they do everybody else already. We've seen the reports on Christians, and soon if you download the Bible app, you are going to be targeted. From Fox, Mexico's annual homicide count on pace to be highest in decades as nearly 100 killed. Times of Israel, as internet restored, online Iran protest videos show chaos. Times of Israel, Hezbollah supporters attack protesters in Lebanon's capital, BBC, Iraq protests, tear gas canisters aimed at protesters, Reuters, topless protesters crash pro-Franco demonstration in Madrid, Wall Street Journal, anti-government protests unsettle Chile's elite, CNN, authorities impose curfew in Bogota after protests turn violent, 
from Fox, massive Columbia anti-government protests continue amid heightened violent crackdown. From the Huffington Post, Iraqi security forces shoot dead 40 protesters in 24 hours as violence spirals. From MSN, non-lethal weapons fired at protesters in Hong Kong, Chile, and Iraq are having dangerous, even deadly effects. All of those were on one day. All those protests and deaths around the world on one day. This world is coming apart at its seams. It is a world in chaos. Mail Online, outgoing Energy Secretary Rick Perry claims Donald Trump was chosen by God as says King David wasn't perfect either. And it's true. Romans 13 tells us it's true. He was chosen by God to be the man to lead this country at this time, just as our previous president was chosen to lead the country at that time. And thank goodness the Lord gave us President Trump after the previous president so he can undo all the things that our previous president did. Thank goodness. But Rick Perry is absolutely correct about that. From, you know, and he's leaving. He doesn't have anything to gain by saying that. He's leaving. But he's saying that he was chosen by God. He understands that. Zero Hedge, U.S. government bans sleeping at the office. Yes, they had to pass a law. Apparently, there's a problem with U.S. government employees sleeping on the job. And the problem is so bad that Uncle Sam felt the need to explicitly ban taking naps at the office. If any U.S. government employee wants to sleep in a federal building for any amount of time, they now have to get permission from an agency official. Did you know that? Now you do. I got a lesser here for you. Let's see if you can figure out which article we're talking about. Our country should be on its knees. We can't work well while catching some Z's. If we want to take naps, we should do so at taps, not while working for us, if you please. Good job, folks. I uh, got a couple ironies and we'll be done. I entitled this, Is it Jerry or Joe? From Breitbart. Jerry Springer. Now, everybody know who Jerry Springer is and what he did on TV? He lives here in Sarasota, by the way. You know that. Okay. Jerry Springer blames Trump for breakdown of civility in America. Oh, my Yes. God. So is it Jerry? Is it Jerry? Or is it Joe? USA Today. Biden, in Democratic debate, says you have to keep punching to address domestic violence. You just have to keep punching. And he said it like three times. That's true. So is it Jerry or is it Joe? Who's causing the divisiveness in this nation? Such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. That's my beautiful wife, Hitiko, over there. This is a superior word. And that is your prophecy update for the week.